Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, it's Killer Cocktails, and we are eating the shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktail. We talked about this many, many moons ago. We, we jokingly talked about this. And then, I mean... And we made it to episode 30, so we had to do it. Because shrimp. Um, You guys, I think this is the best episode, because we're eating shrimp. The most fun, by <laughs> far. Our friend Kimmery is here. Yes. We got to eat all the shrimp. We finished the shrimp, and I did not throw up, so... And okay, the challenge remains. <laughs> we were gonna do this whole thing. We were gonna get up. We we're gonna eat shrimp and grits. It was gonna be shrimp. We we're day. gonna do coconut shrimp. We we're gonna do shrimp cocktail. We we're gonna do shrimp, shrimp gumbo, shrimp, shrimp yeah, tempura, yeah. shrimp <laughs> shrimp sandwich, shrimp soup. Yes, all the shrimp. But we had to do our day jobs, yeah. and so we only had the shrimp cocktail and the barbecue shrimp, which yes. was amazing. Zydeco barbecue shrimp. If you're ever in Bend, look up mm. Zydeco. It's a little pricey, but worth it. It's so good. Yeah. And in the and if you in, don't want to deal with downtown because parking is a nightmare, uh, you can go to the athletic club. Yeah, you can, actually. That sounded weird to people that aren't from Bend. Yeah. You don't go and get <laughs> shrimp <laughs> at a gym. <laughs> There's a nice restaurant. Do some squats. Attached to. <laughs> a gym. A gym. <laughs> a nice That also, gym. like, they have, like, concerts and stuff. I went yeah. and saw Rodrigo and Gabrielle there. How was that? Oh, great Amazing. concert. Yeah. <laughs> when we got there, all these old people, older people. <laughs> <laughs> when we got there, it was young people being old. Yeah. All these people had, like, sat down and put blanket, like, they were sitting in the grass. Mm-hmm. I remember when Kim turned, she's like... Uh, these motherfuckers are getting trampled. <laughs> There's no way we're all staying seated during Rodrigo yeah. and Gabrielle. And I was like, all right, calm down, Kim. And then sure enough, those people got trampled. Everyone was like, Bleh. it yeah. was so fun. When the, when the mood takes If you get yet. a chance to see them, might be should. Okay, so. Shrimp cocktail. Dirty 30 shrimp cocktail. That's right. We're having the time of our lives. We are drinking what our intern, Kimri, has uh, con- kind of concocted for us. She watched... It was basically it's a it's a bartender's drink mm-hmm. that's not on the menu that she's just super gregarious and was like what is that watch them make it now we've stolen the drink and, and we've named it for ourselves well she's putting a good spin on it she yeah. has her spin yeah it's not exactly she's drink. getting the levels all correct it's gonna be perfect we're gonna do an episode on it's this delicious cocktail. so get I'm hope I hope you're waiting with bated breath yeah because we're not gonna tell you what it is or what's in it yet no just that it's delicious we're just gonna tell you about the shrimp. The shrimp was so good. <laughs> I made a pile of all my tails so oh I'd know God. how gross I was. And it was, was real gross. At I the was end. gross. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Jackie, can I throw these away? Because we know you won. <laughs> it was my pride pile. God, it's so gross. All your fallen soldiers. Mm. Um, okay, Jackie, I would love to know more about shrimp. Oh, I've got shrimp facts. Oh, my God. <laughs> shrimp facts. Shrimp fact. Let me open up these. I literally just titled this. All caps. Shrimp. <laughs> shrimp. 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 Oh, shrimp. We've been shouting shrimp all day. All right. Uh, so these fun shrimp facts come hey. from mobilecuisine.com. Awesome. Giving credit where credit's due because I'm just going to read their list. Uh, first of all, shrimp are a swimming decapod crustacean classified in the infraorder caridae. I don't know if I said I any no, of those words right. I have no idea what you just said. Uh, basically, shrimp are delicious and they float around in the sea. Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> one billion pounds of shrimp are eaten every year by Americans. One billion? By Americans? <laughs> yeah. America, calm down. Have you seen how shrimp are I'm a are part made? of that. Have I'm you, a little no, chunk of that have number. Have you seen those like shrimp fields? Shrimps are disgusting. I started, the water that the I started to fall down a tube, but I was like, I don't need to know how the sausage is made. You don't need to know, the shrimp. It's it's disgusting. It's delicious, but it's disgusting. Yeah, I, I I don't really need to know about them for reals. Just these fun facts. Okay. <laughs> May 9th is National Shrimp Day. Get your calendars out. <gasps> you have time to plan for wait, it. Wait, so are you telling me we have another opportunity to eat all the shrimp? I think we do the coconut shrimp that day. Yay! I'm excited. Yeah, coconut shrimp is my favorite shrimp. Um, let's see. Let's give you another shrimp fact. 
Some shrimp can live as long as six and a half years. How big do they get? While some others only live about a year. I was gonna, sh- I was gonna skip the one on how big they were because no, I didn't no. think you'd be interested. But no, let me okay. tell you. No, let me. Uh, There's bay shrimp, the little guys. The little guys. Okay, so they're different version of shrimp. It's not the different version of the life. You're span. jumping on these facts. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Tell okay, <laughs> a shrimp can average about six inches, while the <laughs> longest shrimp ever was sixteen inches. <laughs> <laughs> I waited until you were drinking because I'm mean. You bastard. Um, I just did a spit take. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, 16 inches. <laughs> That's big. It's very big. So is that like if you were to extend it out? I don't know. Wait, is there a group of shrimp that gets that, gets that big or that's the biggest shrimp ever found? This is a sentence that is from I shrimpfacts.com. I want my shrimp cocktail made with that kind of shrimp. Oof. I, I want like an enchilada made out of that. Ooh. Yeah. Shrimp enchilada. Like, I don't even, if I go out to Mexican food and it's not just like tacos or whatever, yeah. if I'm in a, like a Mexican restaurant and it's a sit down, I'm going to have beans and rice as a side. Mm-hmm. I don't even need to look at your menu. I'm having a shrimp enchilada. Mm. That's my go-to. Enchilada de camarones. Yes. Si, senorita. <laughs> uh, there are over 128 species of shrimp. Excuse me, how many? 128. That's a lot of shrimp. Good whistle. Thanks. Yeah. That was an inhale whistle. Because you're on a mic. Was... Oh, yeah. That's why I did that. Yep. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you're so professional. Um, oh, here's a shrimp fact. Every shrimp is actually born a male and then becomes a female as they mature. Is it because of the population around them? Like, oh, we don't have enough females. Gary, you got to turn into a, a female. But yeah, I did not know that. You know, like, in, like, I just think Jurassic Park and the frogs and... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead you know, frogs, though. Sci- uh, finds a way. Life uh, finds <laughs> Jeff, a way. Fucking yeah. Jeff Goldblum. I have a friend. I know you do. fucking love. Like, I've never... You told... And I was like, okay, it's a joke. Like, mm. she's joking. No. She's not. She... Because he's in a band. He has a band and they tour and she went there and she... She's a, an amazing she, artist. She painted a picture of him and got up there, and he was like, Ooh. and uh, <laughs> and they took a picture together, and then she just like swooned. Yeah, yeah, just fawned over Jeff you know, Goldblum. There are like, I don't know if they call them bloomies or goldies, or there's he like, does have it. Yeah, a crowd of he's, ladies. He's a sweetheart. He speaks really nicely about his wife, Aww. but he, yeah, he's he's one of those people that is. I'm off put by people that nice because it comes across as incredibly phony. Uh And then you have to get to where you're like, oh, no, that just is who they are. Mm -hmm. But that's always a hurdle I have to get over with those people. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) But we'll be be friends. Um, Any more shrimp facts? Oh, a couple more. Okay. Um, The average shrimp has 10 legs. Okay. Uh, The name for raw or uncooked shrimp is green. It's called what? It's green. It's a green shrimp. I don't know if I've ever had a raw shrimp. I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. It's not like sushi. They're kind of gray colored. Uh, they turn pink when they're cooked. There's a way. I feel like ceviche. No, but it's cooked in the, the lime. Is, yes. Like, as, acidic. But yeah. that's one of the easiest ways to get sick is to eat. Ceviche. Like, I literally was like cheersing ceviche with my friends. Yeah. Like, we're going to shit our pants <laughs> later because it's so delicious. I don't care. But like when you, you're eating it, it's not that gray color. It's like that oh, pinkish. Correct. Yeah. Which I, yeah. So I don't really. Okay. As much as I love shrimp, I don't know that much about it. Well, now you do. A little bit. All right. Here's the best. Well, it's not the best fact. This is a great fact. Okay. Can I beat 16 inches? The, Sorry. The pistol shrimp. Okay. Can deliver an explosive attack. Oh, my God. Hotter than the surface of the sun. What? And loud enough to rupture a human eardrum. What? The pistol shrimp goes, and it shoots hot bubbles is this and like it an ant things. is so strong because it can lift? Is it like yeah? I mean, this little shrimp's not going to hurt relative, you. Okay, but it hurts other things. We get like hot and hot bubbles. Yeah, I mean, like think of the worst fart in a hot tub. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and that's that shrimp. That's that shrimp. Damn. All right, that's crazy. That's the end of my shrimp facts. Shrimp are cool. They are and, and tasty. So tasty. So tasty. Thank you, shrimp. All right, so now I'll give you a little bit of a history for the shrimp cocktail. Ooh, fun. All right, so there's a lot and not a lot. So basically, everyone kept just jokingly making shrimp cocktail histories. Mm -hmm. And all of them that I found were people just making fun of shrimp cocktails Uh and being like, why are people eating shrimp with ketchup? 
And then me not really realizing ketchup's a main ingredient in cocktail sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and then going, oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does make sense. Yeah. It's like ketchup with like horseradish and other, mm-hmm. anyway. So here's the most fun history I found. Uh, that it was invented in a bar on Boston Harbor in 1941. Um, it was first prepared as a, uh, like a bunch of drunk people were like, let's put all this gross shit together in a glass and dare people to drink it. <laughs> um, it had shrimp, ketchup and vodka in it. Um, and while it was delicious and got people hammered, uh, they ended up taking the vodka out because they ended up with like a bunch of shrimp out on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, drunk people uh, shrimp. And then like they had like major seagull problems. So it kind of grew. That's crazy. From that. It's a it's an American thing. It's kind of a I feel like Europe, like England was kind of into it for a while. It used to be like that was like when you went out to fancy dinner, Mm -hmm. you had shrimp cocktail beforehand. And now it's very kind of frowned upon in like culinary scenes where it's like lame. Never like hard to find on menus now unless you're in like a very American cuisine. Yeah. Yeah. continental you know i'm not gonna say that shrimp cocktail is my favorite because i don't really it's like not the best way to eat shrimp. i'm not there for the sauce i'm there for the shrimp correct yeah and i'd rather have it like coconut shrimp style coconut shrimp is amazing mm-hmm. or in sushi that oh that zydeco barbecue shrimp is oh so that barbecue <gasps> because it's a grit cake yeah with delicious shrimp yes and then this delicious bar- bar- yeah just and you gotta get bread because you gotta sop mm-hmm. up the extra and sauce I, with the bread i hate don't really like barbecue sauces i'll give you that this year i'm starting like kyle keeps making me go to curly q's or oh. kirby b's or whatever they're called baldies <laughs> oh my god yeah you're right <laughs> is there another place in town called yeah Kyle? okay there's, yeah well, you know what i meant baldies because yeah. we got we, yes. we had it the other night yes. okay so i'm starting to come around to it but i in general, do not like barbecue sauces, and I love their barbecue shrimp. I don't like traditional bar. That's not. I'm not a huge barbecue. I love Sweet Baby Ray's. That's mm-hmm. a good barbecue sauce. Uh, and then I like. I'm from the Bay, so I love Kinder's. Mm-hmm. Kinder sauce is where it's at. Mm-hmm. If my buddy Griffin was a girl and carried a purse, he would bring Kinder's <laughs> sauce. He would bring Kinder <laughs> sauce in his purse everywhere. He should get a fanny pack. I can't imagine him wearing a fanny pack. <laughs> All right. So that's your history. Cool. That's uh, your shrimp facts. Awesome. Oh, last one. <gasps> this is kind of a shrimp fact. Is this about... a surprise shrimp fact? Sometimes in Mexico, they will add onions and avocado to their shrimp cocktail. Oh. With the sauce? The same sauce? I think it sounds better. Okay. Like, I've had ceviche like that, you know, with the yeah. lemon and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but ceviche like... is so good. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um. But I can't imagine that with the cocktail sauce and the other stuff. But mm-hmm. all right. I'll give it to you. All right. Well, tell me a story. Murder time? Murder time. So Gary was born on April 29th, 1945. Mm. And he was born into a fishing family. His father, James, ran a boat out of Pelican, Alaska. Okay. So, Jackie, you haven't interrupted me yet, but I'm going to interrupt myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to give a heads up to you and our listeners that this is a long ass story. Oh, it is, you did warn me earlier about this. It long is story. so interesting, and I think I got carried away because I wanted to put in all the facts, but then I realized that's not this kind of podcast. So I gotta no. casual it up. Um, casual. So towards the end, I'm gonna start skimping, but for now, I'm gonna give you details. So, Pelican, Alaska. So during the long salmon and shrimping seasons, mm. hey, there's Doo-doo. my tie, shrimp, blah, blah, blah. His parents were busy with the business. So Gary and his older brother, Gordon, spent most of their childhood and uh, with other family members in Utah. Trust the Gordon Fisherman. Oh, my God. <laughs> so overall, Gary describes his childhood as miserable. His, uh. his father's aloof and his mother's distracted. Aloof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> i don't like it uh, by age nine gary is known as a thief and he steals anything like coins tools candy kind of like whatever he can get his hands on um what <laughs> my gestures yeah, i just thought it's funny uh gary he's then, in alaska being he's troublesome alaska. yeah okay. well i think we went to another state for a hot minute he, right? he's in utah most of the time so okay. i think he's he's with other family i think he Wants to be with his mom and dad, but, like, he's, they're off doing their business. Got and even it. when they are around, they aren't there. Um, so Gary then starts stealing bigger things, and by age 14, he steals a boat. 
Uh, a year later, he steals a car, and at uh, age 16, he is sent to the Utah State Industrial School for, for a year. Um, he escapes that little penitentiary, and he steals another car while, uh, while on the run, and then he's then sent back to the facility for another year before he's allowed to return to high school. Wow. Gary does really well academically during his two years there. He's recognized as a bright kid and a quick study. Okay. Um, after graduation, he decides to pursue a medical degree at the University of Utah. In August of 1963, a few weeks before college uh, classes are supposed to begin, he steals an, uh, an El Camino and he flees to Oakland, California. Hey. Leaving behind a pregnant girlfriend. In Utah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, after just a few days in California, Gary wrecks another stolen car in Ventura and is sent to a state juvenile jail for 14 months at the age of 18. Ooh. So he's like yeah. all over the place right now. During his uh, this time in jail, Gary comes up with his... This is like 60s? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he's in there for 14 months. And so while he's there, he comes up with this elaborate plan that he considers to be the perfect crime that will make him both rich and famous. Okay. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. Okay. So. Parking lot. Parking lot. Boom. Gary is released on December 4th of 1964. And he makes his way to Palo Alto, where his brother is studying at Stanford University. Mm. In March of 1965, he marries a, a... Carmen uh, Simone, a young woman he meets at a Redwood City roller skating rink. Get out of here. Isn't that cute? Within weeks, he's back in jail for car theft, and he celebrates his first wedding anniversary by beginning a five-year prison sentence for car theft. Um, And then his son is born, like, while he's locked up. So um, There's another kid off in the wind in utah though yeah, right? yeah we never see that kid again okay um so forget about that child okay so but he did <laughs> oh, no. uh but after just eight months of his five years uh in prison gary climbs over two fences there are so many more prison escapes than you think yeah yeah that's what i've learned like back in the day too i don't I, know about now even now <laughs> even now okay so he goes over two fences um and he's in tracy california and he He's gone. Tracy, he is getting some mileage all over California. Mm -hmm. He'll be all over the place. Okay. Uh, So he's on the run, and he, like, links up with his wife and kid again, um, and they head to Boston, where he grows a beard, and he assumes a new identity as George Deacon. Okay. He lands a job as a research assistant at MIT. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. And he works there undetected for 18 months. So at work, so people just aren't doing reference checks. No, so he sees an Cause ad because he, he knows he went to school. He he went to school. So he knows what he's talking about. And it he just isn't attributed to this new name. And he's very intelligent. And yeah. he sees a wanted ad. So he goes. He like wows the interview. Yeah. And they're like, boom, yes, you're here. Let's do this. And so while he's there, he earns a reputation for picking up information quickly, and he enjoys chatting about physics with professors. Um, however, he's also known for being obnoxious because he would brag about having a super high IQ. And he would tell people about all these, like, crazy accomplishments he had done. Okay. So, Gary eventually gets a new job as a marine technician on a research boat for the University of Miami's Institute for Marine Research. Yummy, 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 yummy. Yummy, And, like, I think he left the other place because he was getting too hot there. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I'm can't on the run. hang around yeah. for too long. Um, and so, again, he's still using that alias. In September of 1968, Gary is on a two-week research trip to Bermuda with a group of graduate students. During the trip, he begins uh, an affair with Ruth Eisman Shire, who's Mm. 26 years old. And she is bright, she's petite, and she's pretty, and she's a grad student from um, Honduras. Okay. Um, Three weeks before Christmas, Gary tells his wife that he no longer loves her and that she takes... uh, So she's like, all right, that's totally fine, like... Okay. I'm, I'm fine with this breakup. And uh, in the meantime, she's had another child. So she takes both kids and they head back to Redwood City. Okay. Um, Gary tells Ruth about his brilliant master plan. Remember okay. back in the day when he was 18? Um, he's like, this is going to be the perfect crime. It's going to yeah. make us really rich. And we can flee to Europe together and live happily ever after. And Ruth is like, I'm game. So... In the fall of 1968, Gary starts obsessively searching for the perfect victim for his perfect crime. Okay. He spends weeks in the Miami Public Library poring over social registers and newspaper clippings to find a target. He whittles down a list of 100 possible victims 
uh, down to 10, and then he eliminates those one by one until a single name is left. Barbara Jane Mackle. This criteria is interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about Barbara. Okay. Barbara is the daughter of Robert F. Mackle, who is a Miami-based millionaire who, with his two brothers, owned the Deltona Corporation, which is one of the biggest home-building companies in the U.S. Ooh. And he's also a really good friend of President Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very high up there, influential family. So Barbara grows up in this glamorous lifestyle, and she becomes very pretty and popular. So we're going to fast forward. It's now December uh, 17th, 1968, and Barbara is now 20 years old, and she's a student at Emory College in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. It's very exciting. (laughs) Um, She lives in the dorms with roommates, but she gets the Hong Kong flu. What is the Hong Kong flu, you ask? I was in the middle of taking a sip, or I would have been all over that. (laughs) Okay, so I had to look this up. So the Hong Kong flu was uh, the 1968 flu pandemic. Um, It was considered a Category 2 flu pandemic whose outbreak in 1968 and 1969 killed an estimated of 1 million people worldwide. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I have no idea. That's terrifying. So it's, it's a serious disease that's going around so she gets this and her mom's like i'm coming down i'm gonna nurse you back to health you need soup yeah (laughs) you need mama's cuddles (laughs) come here um so she gets down there and she is like barbara let's get a hotel room let's get you away from all your roommates let's make sure you're resting up and then we'll drive back to our house in coral gables coral gables yeah florida for christmas um so um in the meantime gary posing as a scholarship investor goes to the admissions office and mm-hmm. like hey barbara's run won this uh you know scholarship what dorm does she live in and they give it to him so, i would like to think that now you couldn't do i think there's yeah. so much more there's they're way stricter with yeah personal information before before. yeah it's definitely more pertinent today yeah um so he gets to the dorm and he starts asking around and he's like which room is uh barbara's and they're like oh well barbara's sick and her mom came to get her they're staying at the roadway inn yeah roommates (laughs) so gary goes to the hotel and he's like staking out the place for a while until he sees barbara and her mom yeah um and he's like they're in room 137 so it's really early in the morning like 4 a.m okay barbara and her mom are still sleeping and gary goes and knocks on the door Ugh. imagine someone knocking on your door of a hotel in the middle of the night there's absolutely no reason i'm ever opening that fucking door so gary is knocking on the door okay and he's saying hey i'm a police officer is there a barbara in here police police yeah (laughs) please your boyfriend Stuart woodward was just in a car accident (gasps) and we need to get you to the hospital because he's investigated her and he knows she has a boyfriend named Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh i hate it so barbara and her mom open the door and gary yeah because why wouldn't you i hate it so gary rushes in with a new lady friend and her name is ruth and they chloroform and (gasps) tie and gag barbara's mom up and they leave her in the corner and they force Barbara at gunpoint into the back of their waiting car. I don't like it. Oh, no. <laughs> Does this rag smell like chloroform? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they then drive Barbara 20 miles northeast. The to- mom's chloroformed. She's not. So she's- it's not like she's out and they're dragging her. Mm-hmm. They like She's conscious, watched her mom get chloroformed, mm-hmm. and now she's getting dragged mm-hmm. to a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they drive her to a remote pine forest off of South Berkeley Lake Road in Gwinnett County. Um, they're still in Georgia. Uh, they get out of the car and they take Barbara over to the main portion of Gary's master plan. So Gary has constructed a capsule that is roughly three feet wide, three feet deep, and seven feet long. Show me three feet. You know what this is. It's a coffin. It's a very big coffin. I'm going to tell you why it's so big. So he had constructed... What's it made out of? All right. (laughs) It's constructed out of plywood, and the interior is lined with fiberglass. The corners are reinforced with steel brackets. You can't break it. You can't get out. Mm Mm-mm. Gary pops off the lid and starts explaining to Barbara how the box is supposed to keep her alive while they wait for ransom money. Gary points out that the capsule has food and water, which um, they're both laced with sedatives, but Barbara doesn't know this. 
Um, it has a fan, a lamp, a blanket, a sweater, and there's a battery hooked up to everything that will last for 11 days if need be. This is what he's telling her. Mm-hmm. Can we step back for a moment? Sure. And remember that there is another fucking person with him mm-hmm. who is thinking like, cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by it. <laughs> okay. Because he's, that's like, that's crazy fine and crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's sick and twisted. Mm-hmm. And I, I always wonder, like, what would the rest of her life been like if she never met him? Mm-hmm. Like, if they hadn't is met on that... Is she torturing people and, like, living out these weird fantasies? Or is she just, like, meeting a shitbag? Is she, like... I just... I don't... It's yeah. so strange to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's going to put her in this horrible little box. All right. Let me keep telling you about this box. I don't... Okay. <laughs> okay. So, there are, all, there are also two flexible plastic pipes that go to the surface to bring in fresh air. So I don't think fresh air is going to come in through them. All right. Then Barbara starts to scream. Just no, 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 no. Wouldn't you? And she keeps telling Gary, I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. But then Gary holds Barbara while Ruth applies a chloroform soaked towel. Wouldn't you be begging with to, Ruth? Yeah. Wouldn't you be begging with yes. Ruth? Like both of them. Sister up with me right now. Yeah. Like foot two balls like yes. all around. Yes. I don't want to talk about my move. Yes. I'm doing the move. <laughs> um. So they subdue Barbara. She's not completely knocked out yet. They put I'm so there's anxiety in my body. I'm itchy inside. <laughs> they put her into this tomb essentially, and Gary then seals the lid with fourteen screws. Okay. They then bury Barbara under. This is just till the ransom comes in. Under pounds of earth, yeah. yeah. And then they leave. And just three hours later, the battery for the box dies. Shitty battery. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is his big master plan. What could go wrong? It's supposed to last 11 days. It's supposed to? Mm-hmm. It died in three hours. Okay. Okay. The battery is serving what purpose? Um, Lights? Heat, light, like, essentially. So she's getting air still, but, yeah. like. She, but it's not forced air, so mm-hmm. I'm. Sh- it's probably not super efficient. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, Gary and Ruth drive back to Florida. Uh, and Gary calls Barbara's family to tell them he's kidnapped their daughter and he's holding her for ransom. Uh, to get her back, they would need to follow the instructions. There's so many other ways that he could keep someone while you've got someone ransomed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is his master it- plan because like you don't want to be caught with the victim. You want to be in a separate location yeah. of, for them. Yeah. You don't have to deal with all their blabbering the whole time. So Gary thinks. Okay. Okay. So. He calls the family, says all that. He's like, I've left you instructions buried in your front yard under a rock. Go get the instructions. What? So he's already been to their house. He's already left instructions under a rock. Oh, you can see how rock. excited he is by mm-hmm. all these stupid little things. Yes. So the note tells the family that if they agree to pay the half million dollar ransom in all old $20 bills, they this would... This is in the... 60s. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Um, they would need to place a classified ad in the next day's Miami Herald. So the next oh, morning, this is all so stupid. <laughs> it's so elaborate. Uh, so the next morning on December 18th, the ad appears in the paper saying, loved one, please come home. We will pay all expense and meet you anywhere at any time. Your family. Late that night, Gary calls the Mackle home with a ransom drop instructions. Uh, Robert Mackle, who's her father, is to leave the money on a seawall along the Fair Isles Causeway. And a few miles, which is a few miles from their mansion at Coral's, uh, Coral's okay. Gables. Um, but Robert, the father, loses his way in the darkness when he's going to go drop off this ransom. And he, hour- and he like, arrives an hour late to Ooh. the ransom drop off. Um, but luckily, somehow, I think Gary's still there or he's able to call, call Gary. And Gary's like, whatever, leave the money. I'll go grab it. So Gary goes to get the bag. And as he's getting the bag a routine police officer is coming by and he's like, that dude looks just to do that out on his feet. Yes. Yes. He's like, what is this six foot like burly man doing out here? Like in the middle of the night, like I'm going to go check this out. So he goes whoop whoop. And he goes after Gary and Gary just takes off running. Yeah. And he has the bag of money. He's gone. Um, but he leaves behind his car. And so it's like registered to him, not a stolen car. Oh, let me tell you what's in this car. Uh Oh, (laughs) so the police just get, all this evidence 
on who's like behind the kidnapping yeah. because of this car. So they look through it and they have Ruth's passport, both of their checkbooks, documents that reveal their past addresses. There's several lacy bikini panties and racy nude Polaroids of both Gary and Ruth. Police also find <laughs> <laughs> they also find a Polaroid of Barbara holding a sign that says kidnapped. What the what the <laughs> Yes. What a dumbo. Yes. You had um, so much time to plan this plan. Mm-hmm, yeah. All that evidence in the car. So Gary's on the run. And he's finally decided he's going to call the FBI and like, let me tell you where Barbara is buried. Because, yeah. Because I have the ransom. I'm a man of my word. I'll tell you where she is. So the FBI set up their base and they like send out 100 agents and they spread out over the entire area that he's like told them vaguely where she's at. <sighs> and they start digging like everywhere with shovels, with hands, with whatever they can find. And as rescuers are digging, they finally hit a box holding Barbara. Really? Barbara had been buried alive for 83 hours. How many days is that? Three days. Okay. She's alive. She's been, she's in this box for that long. You, you, I mean, you can do that. Yeah. I mean, how long can you go without water? No, she has water. She has snacks. They're all like, they laced with sedatives. So she's like eating and like passing out, eating and passing out. Oh my God. I hate it. Mm -hmm. And you have no No, concept of time. Yeah. For three days. You're going to the bathroom on yourself, essentially. Gross little box. So arrest warrants for Gary and Ruth are issued, and their names are also added to the 10 most wanted list. A little side fact, Ruth is the first woman to make this list. That's a good little side fact. Thank you. All right, cool. All right. (laughs) Um, So while on the run, Gary uses some of the ransom money to buy a speedboat. By the way, Gary and Ruth have separated at this point. They're going to meet up later in Europe. Okay. Um, So... Gary's buying a speedboat. However, the ransom story is all over the papers and news. So Gary pays for the boat all in cash in old $20 bills. And the guy selling the boat is like, mm, this is weird. So he calls the cops. Good on you, right? boat owner guy. There you go. And Gary makes it over 100 miles before other tip, tip-offs lead the FBI to where he is. And then they start selling, sending in helicopters and boats. And so they're, like, going after him. And he docks on this little island called (laughs) Hog Island. Okay. And it's just this 30-square-mile, dense-as-fuck jungle. Okay. And they chase him around this thing for 12 hours trying to catch him. Jesus. Um, So they finally apprehend him, and they recover all of the money except for, like... The speedboat money and, like... 700 bucks. Yeah. He bought some Doritos and Hot Cheetos. Uh Cheetos and Takis. And, <laughs> and so they arrest him. And on December 22nd, Gary is held for bail for half a million dollars. I want to think that's a, like a little jab at him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 79 days later, Ruth is arrested. All right. On January 3rd, Gary and Ruth are charged with kidnapping and ransom, which is a capital crime in Georgia. Ruth is convicted and sentenced to seven years in prison, and she's paroled after serving four years, and she's deported back to Honduras. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So, while in custody, awaiting trial, Gary just starts confessing to other inmates about how he had killed other people before the kidnapping. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, So, investigators start looking into the rumors, and they realize Gary is connected to a string of previously unsolved murders. So they get intel uh, that Gary's first victim was a 65-year-old hermit with whom Gary had sexual relationships with Mm. at the age of 14 Mm. while living in Pelican, Alaska. Maybe that's why his uh, childhood wasn't so great. Yeah. Uh, So Gary had killed the man by tripping him while they were walking on a bridge across a deep ravine. The case was originally deemed a death by accident. So this old dude was abusing him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he shoved him off a thing. Mm-hmm. Bye. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, at 19, Gary claims to have killed a girl named Helen Crow near San Diego. He said he had strangled and beat her to death and then hid her body under a pile of rocks. Her body was found by local officers. I'm on, starting to believe these jailhouse snitches. Mm-hmm, on October 3rd, 1964. And the coroner told them that she had been dead for about 68 weeks before she was found. However... Gary was in custody during that time in Tracy, California. 
So they still don't know how he knows all the details to this murder because he was I locked like up during it. I feel like the timelines they give sometimes are... A little bit off. Yeah. A third homicide reported by Gary was committed in 1961, shortly after his escape from confinement in Utah. He said he killed a man and dumped the body near um, Wendover, Utah, where local officers confirmed a discovery of a skeleton on July 27th I mean, of I 1967. Yeah. Um, all that aside... Gary is convicted of kidnapping on May 26th of 1969, and he is sentenced to life in prison in Georgia. Yeah. We're not even close to being done, Jackie. There's so much more. What? Yes. Okay, so Gary's in prison, and he's like, I have the rest of my life in here. Let me try to get out. So he starts writing letters to Barbara, and he's like, yo, you should forgive me. You know, you're fine. I'm fine. We're both fine. You should. Like, I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's then is like, let me write some propaganda. And he writes a memoir called Life. And it's 370 pages long. And it's essentially just about his sexual escapades. Um, and it's just like in this very academic tone and very like talking down to you. Um, your face right I'm now is so bothered. Um, he then tries to escape by concealing himself inside a garbage truck. <laughs> Oldest trick in the book, buddy. Um, but he's caught. Um, so finally he tries. Imp- Attacking time on his bid. Is he getting more on his jacket? I mean, he's got life. We want life. Oh. Okay. Times two. Okay. So. <coughs> he got life for what he did to her? Yeah. Okay. In Georgia, I miss, I it is that a part. kidnapping. That's is, right. I yeah, missed yeah. that part. Okay. So finally he tries embracing prison life and he starts tutoring fellow inmates. He's teaching them he's how to read Andy and write. Dufresne it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's taking college classes. He gets trained as an EMT. He works at the prison hospital. He starts making this relationship with James T. Morris, who is an influential uh, chairperson of the Georgia Parole Board. So he starts making friends with all these people in these highest places, and he starts getting another lady friend, and her name is uh, Joan Joan Jones. Go. Prison wife. And they start doing pen pals. Um, and then Gary becomes eligible to apply for parole after just seven years in prison, even though he has a life sentence. Okay. Um, and his buddy Morris, who is on the parole board, mm-hmm. uh, keeps it's fighting. It's not a conflict of interest, but Mm-mm, go ahead. No, not at all. He keeps fighting for his release until it's finally granted on May 14th of 1979, after just 10 years in prison for the kidnap of Barbara. Mm, okay. Um, at this point, Gary's only 33 years old. Um, he start, uh, when he's released, he tells reporters that he might become a missionary. Um, but he's an eligible bachelor. No, no, no. He marries uh, Joan Jones. Oh, so he did get a prison wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, and the prosecutor is like furious at this. He's like, well, how, how is I'm Ga- furious at how it. How is Gary getting Imagine out? Imagine this guy. Yeah. And Morris, the, the board guy, is like, um, there is nothing in our files to indicate Gary is violent or dangerous. Nothing. Not a single thing that would make me think he's dangerous or violent. Mm-hmm. If he does commit a crime, it won't be a crime of violence. No. He'll, yeah. He'll just be, you know, swindling people, putting them in boxes. Mm-hmm. He killed three murdering people. Murdering all these people yeah. that we've right. talked about. Yeah. And Morris. So, Morris. Mm-hmm. Morris is kicking himself now. Morris told that to the New York Times. And yeah. they printed that. Morris claims that the kidnapping was, um, you know, his, it wasn't really a... Cr- oh, my God. Uh, I'd have to look up his last name. So Morris is saying that the kidnapping is such a low crime because no one was killed. Yeah. And he, he says, didn't get away with it. So yeah. that's fine. He's like, the fact is the victim did live and is totally recovered. Barbara Mackle suffers no lasting trauma from the ordeal. At all. I'll bet she dates normally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doesn't have nightmares. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Therefore, the net result is little harm was done. No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Which is insane. No. This is like... Barbara's I hope people can know when I'm being ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I get your sarcasm. I hope yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Gary's released. He's married to this new gal. They head to Alaska. And he's like, you know what? I want to be, I want to be a salt of the earth kind of guy. I want to, I want to give back to society. I want to become a doctor. I want to dig into the earth. <laughs> I want to build boxes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Put people in them. So he's like, I want to be a doctor. But the only thing is he can't get into any programs because he's a felon. So he um, goes back. Good to- on you, medical schools. <laughs> he goes back to his buddy Morris, who writes him a letter of recommendation. 
Boris. <laughs> um, and he um, goes down to the Caribbean and he starts going to medical school down there. Because you can go to medical schools in other countries. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, and so he graduates and he gets his doctorate and he starts practicing medicine in Haiti. And he keeps trying to like come back to the States to practice as a doctor. Um, but nobody's letting him come over. Okay. Um, until he finds a tiny town in Christney, Indiana. And they don't have a doctor, so they need one. And um, they give him, like, a probationary license. Um, but then a local paper figures out who he is, mm-hmm. and they run his story in the paper. Yeah, because that's outrageous. Yeah. And Imagine they, being that journalist, and you're like, what? Ding, 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 ding. I got yeah. a story for you, folks. Um, and so everyone's like, oh, my God, you're that guy. So they kind of, like, run him out of town. And so he's like, well, God damn it, I can't be a doctor. How else am I supposed to make a living? Oh, I know. I'll go into the cocaine importation business. Okay. Okay. So him and his wife's son sail down to Columbia and they buy a kilo of cocaine and they bring it back up. They sell it and then they go back down and they buy six more kilos of cocaine. They come up, they sell it. Boom. They got more money. They're going to go down. They're going to get more kilos. They charter the same boat from the same company every time and the company's like you're going down to columbia every time this is weird so they report it to the police he's like really smart and also really stupid yes yeah it's he's like all these little like yeah side things that you would think you would think of you would think you just like look up like what are the top 10 ways people get caught (laughs) doing crimes let's not do those yeah um so he's he went down another time and he comes back and the police are now tracking him And they stop his boat and they go onto the boat and they find four illegal aliens that he was bringing. Smuggling. He was smuggling. And 38 pounds of cocaine in paste form. That sounds like a lot. With a value of $2 million. Back in the day. Back in the day. So a lot more. Yeah. Wow. Um, So on March 10th, drug investigators search Chris's home and um, they find... This, like, concealed trap door under a small garden shed. And there's a ladder that gives access to a submarine-style workshop built no, inside no, no. a metal cylinder measuring 27 and a half feet long and 8 feet in diameter. And what's in there? I'll tell you what's in there. There's a laboratory. Uh, and it's <laughs> a laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just said lab? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I don't know why it's so it's so funny to me what it is. I said it right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I don't know why it got me so good. <laughs> it tickled it was like a library moment. <laughs> okay. They find a lab. <laughs> okay. So they find a lab and there's like running water and electricity. This is crazy. And there's stockpiles of like chemicals and containers. And what they're doing down there is they're converting the paste of cocaine into powder form. So I think it's just in this like crazy underground. Yeah. Uh, Which I think they're still back in like bumfuck nowhere too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It seems weird to take it all the way up to Alaska. Like they're not. No, no, no. They're going to Atlanta area. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I was in Alaska in my mind. I was like, that seems crazy to fucking go to Alaska to do all this and then take it down to. So they're like now the chartering of boats. Now everything makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. They're right there. So the lab also features features an escape route and a tunnel nearly twenty yards long. That see, that's the kind of smart stuff that he does. Yeah, yeah. And it snakes to the surface and it like comes out to this fifty gallon barrel, just like camouflaged funny um and so on may 16th of 2006 um gary pleads guilty to drug smuggling and on january 19th of 2007 he's sentenced to five years in prison hmm so he's out that's scary yeah um and that's the story of gary Oof. so um a little side stuff there are some books and movies so um Barbara wrote a, a memoir, a book yeah. about her ex- experiences. It's called 83 Hours Till Dawn. It was published mm. in 1971. Um, and there's like some kind of like Showtime movie-esque kind of things, but I would, I don't know if I'd recommend those. I'd say go check out the book. Um, like I said earlier, Gary did a memoir 
I don't think it's worth it. Don't go check it out. It's called Life. Um, and then, um, yeah, just to let you know about Barbara, she is happily married and she has two children. Way to go, Barbara. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. The fact that he did all that, he took a very influential man's like daughter, kidnapped her in this yeah. insane way. Got life in prison, but then got out. I'm surprised the money part of that guy isn't yeah. able to, like, that this Put Morris that dude is able to help him more than that guy has influence mm-hmm. over the governor. The You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of fascinating. I think part of it, I don't know if I mentioned this, is, like, when he was petitioning to get out on the parole thing, yeah. not only was Morris helping him, but he, they asked Barbara, and Barbara was just kind of like, it's in my past. I don't care. I don't want to talk yeah, about it. Like, if, yeah. it's, if he's if he's done good and he's like go ahead like i like it's out of my hands she's oh. like has a very this like they were not like they didn't abuse me at all they just they put me in this box but you know they didn't kill me they didn't yeah, harm me yeah, in that yeah, way yeah. so i think she just kind of hands off interesting of interesting yeah but yeah Ooh-wee. yeah such a whirlwind like that should be some kind of mini series again quit remaking disney movies dude you got plenty of great stories out there disney all right are you ready i'm always ready for murder i'm gonna tell you about susan and rodney falls cool uh susan's about 38 Mm -hmm. rodney's about 41 at the time of what we're talking about okay um they're an australian couple and this takes place around like 2006. Are we in Australia? Are we in We're in Australia. Okay, cool. Um, so like a bunch of like a lot of the facts that I grabbed. This is from like Australian newspapers okay. and like their articles about this. Down on da. Um, put another right. shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> uh, the couple had been together since Susan was 14. Oh. And Rodney was 17. Oh, so I mean, not, yeah, it's not bad. But yeah. like childhood. Yeah. Sweethearts. Yeah. Um, Rodney ran his own online business. Um, he was like he, also kind of like a self-made guy, like a contractor of sorts. And like, so he's, he does all right. Um, he's very into appearances. Okay. His house has to be a specific way. His family has to be a spe- specific way. Mm. He's a bodybuilder, like a take steroids bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Um, and to help like feed some of all of that, he grows marijuana on the side just to kind of like add income to the family he's like so he's got all these like pot plants Mm -hmm. and And it's illegal in australia i believe so okay um now occasionally the Mm -hmm. family dogs would dig up his marijuana plants are they in the backyard yep okay um and so he would he did what any sane and rational person would do when a dog gets into your pot plants um he would kill them no about, multiple about them? nine dogs no, in total no jackie uh, mostly he would drown them no and he would beat them are you shitting me and then the family would just tell when people would be like hey where's your dog they'd be like oh that dog ran away yeah to death oh my god and the wife is totally on board just totally so it wasn't just the dogs that rodney was beating no he's horrible everybody yeah Okay. So over 20 years, so they're married for 20 years. Wow. Um, she's beaten. She's burned. She's threatened. Uh, he would drag her across the floor by her hair. Uh. He would force her to have sex with him. It was, she describes a nightmare situation. Yeah. So he would, uh, she would have like carpet burns down. Her, she has all sorts of like scars and things yeah. from like, and she tells these horrible stories Ugh. of things that happened to her. Um, she has a burn on her arm from an oxy welder. Whatever that is. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, so. Do we know anything about his childhood or anything? No. Okay. All we know is kind of them as a couple and, okay. and this stuff. So, like, when he would hit her, she wasn't allowed to cover her face because she Wasn't had, allowed? She wasn't allowed. Okay. To cover her face mm-hmm. when he hit her because she had rings and then it would, like. Hurt him? Hurt him. Oh, I'm sorry for you, man who's beating woman. Uh, so this is a quote from her later. She goes, later I would ask him, why do you keep hurting me? And he'd say, I black out and I don't know half the stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so she tried to leave him once yeah. in like the year 2000, a, like police were involved cause she would call and police were there all the time. Mm-hmm. And so these police officers arrange with his brother for her to get away. Like 
Wow. Police are game for it. Yeah. They're like, this dude's terrible. Yeah. You need to get away. Yes. Um, let's get you and your kids and let's take you to another mm-hmm. part of Australia. And they do. They run away and they're gone for about six weeks or so. But he figures out where she is and he mm-hmm. keeps harassing her. Yeah. And he's both saying, I'm, I've am i changed. I mm-hmm. won't do those things anymore. I love you. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff. And then at the same time threatening her, like, if you don't yeah. come back, yeah. horrible stuff's going to happen they, to your family. They'll say whatever they can yeah. to get you back under their power so does she have family nearby or i not that ever came up okay not that i ever saw uh so then she then so she's only gone for like six weeks or so then she does go back to him and like the kids so they have four kids they have three girls and a boy and is there any abuse to the children at this point not that i've read about anything for the kids okay um so then she's there for another six years so that brings us to 2006 okay um so then Susan's talking about like he, how living with him, you don't like constantly trying to read somebody's body language mm-hmm. and figure out like what's going to set you're on, them off. You're on, um, you're on your tippy toes the whole yes. time. Yeah. So she goes, there are little things that I just knew set him off. So specifically he would eat Cocoa Pops every morning. Wait, Cocoa Pops? Like Cocoa Pops? Cocoa Pops cereal. Like the... Like the like the the crispy the there are crispies oh, yeah oh so they're calling them cocoa pops so oh maybe god. down in Australia it's a specific oh my god but everyone he, he's a bodybuilder yep okay and he had a very specific they couldn't be too crunchy oh my god and they couldn't be too soggy so you can't pour the milk too too like before he came out this is a quote oh my god I had to get his cocoa pops yep. I would know when to pour the milk based on like if I heard the hair dryer then I knew I could pour the milk. And it would be just right by the time he came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then he's, it all comes to a head when he invents this death lottery. Oh, for the family? So he says, so he writes down their four children's names on bits of paper, scrunches them up, and he tells her to pick a name out of the hat. And that he's going to kill that kid on her birthday. No, no, no. They play this multiple times? No, nope. no. This just is the one. Okay, this is the ultimate game. He's been beating. Game. He's doing all these okay, things. Okay. And now he says, pick a name. Nope. That's who I'm killing on no. your birthday. And she picks a name? He makes her. No, no, And no, it never no, no. says, I, I, like, to the credit of the children. Hopefully they never say yeah. what name it was. Um, so this is too much for her. Yes. This is the breaking yes. point. Yes, yes, yes. So... Uh, she speaks to, so basically she asks her 15 year old daughter to 15 year old daughter. Do we know the age range right now or no? Not all of them. Like the daughters are older. So there's two teenage daughters and then there's another daughter and a son somewhere in there. I didn't okay. get their ages in the articles that I found. Um, but I know one of them is 15 at a time cause she's the one who has an acquaintance that is how the mom gets a gun. Oh no. So this teenage daughter gets a gun so the mom like puts five grand in the laundry puts it in the daughter's room the daughter takes the five grand in cash goes and gets a gun puts it back in the laundry basket with the bullets and stuff the mom goes in and gets it then the mom's like i don't know how to use this what's the name of this guy so then she meets him at a soccer field and he tells her how to use it oh my god is this another kid who's teaching her how to use it? he's like in his 20s okay um so and then she gets a prescription filled for sleeping pills. Okay. So she, it takes her like two weeks to kind of like plan all of this. Mm-hmm. And then on May 25th, so... Do we know when her birthday is? May 29th. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my So God, she's getting God. down to the yeah, wire. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. now she's starting it's to really happening. fear that yeah. he's going to do this. Yes. So May 25th... Um, and he keeps talking about it. It's not like yep, a one-time yep. thing. Okay. So she decides she's going to make him his favorite meal, curried prawns. Oh my god! <laughs> Is that your tie? Shrimp. Oh my god! Um, curried prawns. Curried prawns because she figures it, she figures it's a strong enough flavor he won't taste, taste what yeah, she yeah, put yeah. in it. Um, and she also knows that none of her kids like seafood, and none of them will eat try it. to eat it. Good. So it's not weird that they're not eating. Yeah, the fish. and like the kids are kind of in on the plan, and they're kind of not. Like the eldest kind of know. They kind of yeah. know, and they kind of don't. Yeah. Um. So. She makes him this food, he eats it, and then he dozes off in his recliner. Okay. All right. Let's flash forward. Okay. June 12th, Susan makes uh, an appeal publicly saying, I don't know what's happened to my husband. (gasps) I can't find him. (gasps) 
Um, the last time I saw him, I dropped him off at this hotel on June 1st. For what? For business? Okay. She's charged with his murder on June 22nd. Okay. Um, because they found his body. Where? Out in the woods. Buried? Disposed of, yeah. Okay. Um, so she pretty much immediately owns up to the murder. Yeah. Um, and she starts to give them her account of what happened. So she says, I drugged him. He fell asleep in the recliner. Um, she goes, I waited about an hour and then I went and I got the gun. I got as close. This is a quote from her. I went as close as I could. I was really scared because I wasn't sure if he was truly asleep or not. She like threw something at his foot to see if he moved. Um, she goes, I stood on the right side and I pointed the gun at his temple and I pulled the trigger. So when she shoots, when she shoots him, she then realizes her two teenage daughters are watching from the hallway. So then like they come out, they're all hugging. They're super worried that he's not dead because he's just making horrible noises, but he's not. Oh, they're worried that he's not dead. Yeah. So they're like, yes. And then she's saying like, I love you guys. And they're like, no, we love you. Like, so the kids are kind of supportive of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. She told detectives that she could hear him breathing for two hours. She then like so she tried she to shoot sh- him again. She tried to shoot him again, and the gun went off mm. and hit like a baseboard, which really freaked her out. Because then she was like, "I obviously don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I could have hurt my kids." Yeah. Um. And she tried to smother him, or she 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 kind of waits it out for a while. Okay. Because she only has one bullet left. Yeah. Then she eventually comes back and shoots him a third time, or not like again. Yeah. And. Then he doesn't immediately die. And she's kind of like, he. I drugged him and I've shot him all these times. Like, he's not going to die. Yeah. And then right as she's like super panicked about it, he does die. Okay. So the body stays in the house for three days. Oh. In she's, Australia? It's hot. She like pushes him over by an air conditioning unit oh and like lights a bunch of incense. Oh my God. And she's just kind of like not oh my God. dealing with it. No. No. In their bedroom? Uh, I think he's out in, like, a front room. Uh, okay. Um, then she organizes three people to come help her get rid of the body. Three people? This dude, Christopher, he's 25. This guy, Bradley, who's 30. This guy, Anthony, who's 42. Who are these people? Acquaintances. Oh, okay. One of them is one of the people that got the gun. Okay. Um. So now she's in court. She's been charged with murder. She's kind of pleading her case. And lawyers. she didn't, like, roll him at a up in a rug no, and three like, guys took him they took him they, to they the knew, forest they, and got they rid know. Of him. okay okay um so now she's in court and she's saying that um people are talking about like they've got all these witnesses of all the hospital admissions that she has all the times that she called mm-hmm. the police yeah. they start really building this case of like she abuse. was yeah it's abuse Imminent danger of the children. Um, yeah. Yes. So as it progresses, this is a, a quote from somebody. As the court case progressed, more and more witnesses would come forward and they would give evidence about what they'd seen, what they'd heard, and kind of validating her decision that it wasn't it wasn't just in a – like the prosecution saying she planned the murder mm-hmm. and she murdered him. And the defense is saying she couldn't just – she tried to run away. Like, mm-hmm. she was a, was a, so a true, true victim. Yes. Um, so she ends up being found not guilty. Um, she admits to drugging him. She admits to shooting him. Like, all of that is very mm-hmm. much – she said she did it. She's found not guilty, and the three guys that disposed of the body are found not guilty. They're found not guilty of manslaughter. Mm-hmm. They're, like, she's just living her life yeah. free and clear, and – that's the end. I think from what I've heard, yeah, this case, it was extensive abuse. Yeah. Her children were put in danger. Yes. She tried to get away. And with that kind of relationship, they pull you back in. They And it's your... They threaten you. She was you, 14 yeah. when she met him. Yeah. Yeah. It's 20... Like, that's literally your only... That's only... Yeah. That's, uh, in terms of an adult, that's all you've ever known. And, like, I don't know who was you know in in charge of the cash but i want to say he I'm might have had power over him. like yeah. her well-being in that aspect so like i i agree i think that was self-defense even though she yeah. did plan it that would be crazy to be on that jury because you do you have a cut and dry mm-hmm. you have an event that happened yeah but then you have all these extenuating circumstances mm-hmm. that speak to uh, yeah yeah i was fascinated by that Jackie, that's a great story and what what was the the, the tie was she fed him shrimp. Oh no! Well, yes, the tie. <laughs> no, what was the like the the names again? The Falls. The it was Falls. Rodney Falls and Susan Falls. Got it. And they're down in Australia. Dude, great job. 
Um, we've kind of talked about this off air, how to like kind of wrap up our episodes. <laughs> um, and I kind of suggested that we kind of talk about where we're reading, what we're watching, so what I we're listening want, to. I went on a big road trip. Mm-hmm. And the morning before I left, I was like, ooh, Griffin, who I'm driving with, isn't into podcasts. I'm going to find one. Like, I'll, I'll have one ready if he's like down for it. And we listened to the first episode. I was like, do you want to keep going or just like put on music? He's like, no, next episode. We mowed the whole series the whole way down to California. Uh, Bear Brook. Bear Brook. And you told me I about- told you the day before so, I left, yeah, right? The day before you no. left. No, well, then I didn't read no, it the No, 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 no. The day of. The day of. You had me listen to the blurb. Oh, because little... I left that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, how did I see you and leave that day? It's because I worked out. You the had day. me listen to the intro at work, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start listening to this. I just finished it. Bear, Bear Brook. Bear oh Brook. my God, you guys, you have to go listen to this true crime podcast. It is, it's well done. It's so it's well, well done. It's well researched. It's, it's fascinating. It's not a casual podcast like ours. No, not at all. No, no, These no. people are talented. And it's not a gory gruesome detailed podcast it starts i would say like the first episode where they're describing the barrels but barely i mean yeah if you're listening to this you can listen to that well that's true yeah yeah uh um yeah yeah, um thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week thanks for tuning into this week's episode of killer cocktails as always on our talent was jackie andrea uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. Ha 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 